Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Imagine you're out for dinner at a nice restaurant, and you've had your main course, and it was just the right amount of food, just enough food to leave you with some room for dessert. And so the server is coming around, offering desserts, and they hold out a tray, and they say to you, can I tempt you with some of this moldy bread that I found in the floor in the kitchen? Would you be tempted by that moldy bread that they found on the floor in the kitchen? Of course not. What did they say and say? Can I tempt you with this chocolate mousse that has zero calories and that will whet your appetite for more and more and more? What will they say to you? Will they offer you something delicious or something disgusting? It's in the nature of temptation to seem good, to look good. Temptation never looks bad. That's a very important thing for us to know as Christians, as Christians who want to avoid temptation. You cannot judge by what your eyes see. It is one of the most harrowing things that we hear in the scriptures when St. Paul tells us that Satan, the devil, the tempter, disguises himself as an angel of light. The devil disguises himself as an angel of light, offering to us all kinds of wonderful, pleasant treasures. His wiles, his deep guile, and great might are beyond anything of ours. In fact, you heard, you heard at the end of that first verse, on earth is not his equal. That is, he is the most deceptive, the most wily, the most tempting there is. That's who the devil is. And you saw it in our Old Testament lesson. How did he come to Eve? Not offering her some rotten fruit, not offering her something filled with worms and smelly, but instead, fruit that was a delight to the eyes. But the tree was desired even more to make one wise. He didn't say to her, if you eat this, you're going to be on your own, and then death will be in front of you. Instead, he said, you will be like God. In fact, better than God because you've played this trick on him. You get the last laugh. He came to her, offering her something that seemed good. Same thing with Jesus in our gospel lesson. He comes to Jesus with the cure for his hunger. Forty days of fasting, he had to be famished. Here, have some bread. It's as easy as that. 
Or look, wouldn't you like to see your Heavenly Father put his power on display? Throw yourself off this building and God will rescue you. He said that he would. He'll command his angels concerning you. That would be good, wouldn't it? To see God's power on display. Or look, all of the world, all of these kingdoms, all of their might, that's what you're really after, isn't it? That's what it means to be the Son of God, to be the King of the world. What if I just gave all of that to you? Wouldn't that be good? The devil comes with his enticements, and you must know that they never look bad. They always, always look good. Now, Jesus is able to resist the devil because he trusts his heavenly Father perfectly. He trusts his heavenly Father perfectly. That is, he listens to his Father's word, his Father's promises, and he knows what the truth is. And so, in reality, the devil coming to Jesus with these three temptations, it's like offering moldy bread to someone in a restaurant. There's no way. There's no way that Jesus is going to take any of these offers because he knows what they are, a lie. He knows they are a lie. Now, you and I are not so strong in our faith as Jesus was. That should be obvious. And consequently, we don't always see temptations as clearly as he does. And so, this Lenten season, take time to exercise yourself in paying attention. Pay attention to what temptations truly are. Now, just as it is not the case that something pleasant is always good, or something unpleasant is always bad, it doesn't work in the reverse way either. Just because something is unpleasant doesn't mean that it must be good. Like, you don't have to enjoy all of the snow and the cold. You don't have to go outside in your swimsuit and say, this is a wonderful day, just because it's awful. Likewise, just because the spring is so pleasant, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. In fact, it's something very good, a gift from God. So you cannot measure based on what your eyes see. You cannot measure based on appearances or what looks good or enticing or what looks bad and disgusting. Instead, here's how you tell. Here's how you tell when the devil is after you. You look for the lie. You look for the lie. Now, that requires some diligence. You have to pay attention, you have to listen carefully, and you have to be discerning. So here are some examples. Listen to how the devil comes to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He begins by asking this question. Did God really say? Now, what's the answer to that question? Yes, God really said. In fact, he just said a minute ago that we shouldn't eat the fruit of that tree. He starts with a false premise that maybe God didn't really say what he just said. That maybe your ears misheard him. Maybe your heart misunderstood him. But no, God really said. Now the devil twists the words of God and says, didn't God say that you can't eat any of the trees, any of the fruit of the, any of the trees in the garden? Of course, there's another lie. He takes God's word into his hands and plays fast and loose with it. The question that you should always ask is, what did God say? What did God say? When the devil asks you, did God really say, don't just entertain ideas in your head about what might be reasonable or what might make sense to you, but instead ask, what did God actually say? Then, of course, the devil comes at Eve with now a bald-faced lie. Look, God did not tell you the truth. He said that you would die, but I tell you the truth, the devil says. You will become like God. But by then, it was almost too late. Eve had already begun to suspect that maybe God was not being good and kind to her. Now she couldn't recognize the plain, crass lie that was before her eyes because she had not been watching for the subtle lie 
that the devil played on her earlier. Or take a look at the temptations that Jesus faces. The devil begins his first two temptations with this question, another question. If you are the Son of God, trying to cast doubt on whether or not Jesus is the Son of God. Of course, again, just a moment earlier, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and the heavens were opened and the Spirit descended in the form of a dove and his heavenly Father said, You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Of course, he's the Son of God. What question is there? There is no if you are the Son of God. He is the Son of God. But then the devil goes on. He says, look, you're hungry and bread is what you need. Bread will satisfy your hunger. Another lie. What happens when you eat bread? You're satisfied for a moment, but then you get hungry all over again. Bread does not satisfy your hunger. It does not satisfy the hunger of the faithful ones. But instead, what is it? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen to the devil's lies and see them for what they are. If you are the Son of God, toss yourself down from this building and God will defend you no matter what. No matter what you do, you can go your own way. You can make your own decisions about what is good and right and true. And God has to protect you because he promised. Another lie. What did we say in our intro? We said, because you have made the Lord God your dwelling place, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. But instead, if you make something else your dwelling place, your heart, your decisions, your hope in the things of this world, God does not have that same promise for you or for Jesus. Then the devil says, here, you can have all the kingdoms of the world. And what's the lie there? They don't belong to him. Those kingdoms of the world and their might, they aren't his. It's like if somebody stole your car and drove it around the block and came back and parked it in front of your house and said, here, would you like this car? It was your car to begin with. It's an offer that he can't fulfill. It was a lie from the outset. All of the kingdoms of the world belong to Jesus and their glory. What a lie it is to suspect that Jesus would accept these offers. But notice this, they're all enticing they're all good in appearance. They all seem pleasant. Thanks be to God that Jesus resisted that temptation so that we can have a high priest, somebody who offered himself as a sacrifice, a high priest who was without sin, who faced the temptations of the devil, trusting in his heavenly Father perfectly so that he could forgive all of our sins. Now translate this into your own life. You don't often have the devil pointing to some fruit on a tree, suggesting that you take it and eat it, you don't often have the devil coming to you when you've been fasting for 40 days, telling you to turn some stones into bread, but you do face the temptations of the devil. So watch out. Watch out and look for the lie. Here's an example. I'm going to spend some time in the future, in the near future, talking about stewardship, what we do with our money, what we do with our things. Jesus tells us that all of our things belong to God and that we should use them for the good of our neighbors that we should give our offerings to those in need, and that we should start with our first fruits, the first fruits of what God has given us. But the devil comes along with a lie, and he says, look, wouldn't it be better if you kept all of your things for yourself? You really need your stuff. You need your money. You need your goods. You won't be able to survive without them. Where's the lie there? In the first place, the lie is very simply that it's your stuff. The question is not, what are you going to do with your things? But what are you going to do with God's things? The devil wants you to believe that they are your own. 
And he wants you to believe that you cannot survive without them, as though God would not provide for you every need that you have. So the prophet Malachi says, See, if God will not open the heavens and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, when you are charitable and kind with the things that God has entrusted to you, watch out for the devil's lies. Or take this, going to church every Sunday. This is really a common one. The devil loves to come along and say, look, you don't need to be a kind of person who goes to church every Sunday in order to be a Christian. You can listen to God's word on your phone while you're sitting beside the hole in the ice. You don't have any other time to do these things that you need to do on a Sunday morning. Listen to those lies. Of course, Christians don't go to church because they have to. They don't go to church because they have to, but because here is your life and your hope and your Savior. And so the devil comes along and says, look, it seems like God is really putting an obligation on you. He's saying you must do something. That's not like God to do that. And you get to say, what a lie. I go to church because there God loves me. There God gives me his gifts, his promises, and his life and his salvation. It's true there are lots of other things in my life that are pressing, but they can wait This cannot. Now is the day of salvation. Yes, there are all kinds of other things that are pressing in my life. Work and family and friends and disasters and tragedies and all kinds of things. But what comes first before all of that? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. What a lie the devil spins for you. Watch out for those lies. Here's the last one I want to give you as an example. And this is really, it covers all of the bases and it is the most common of the lies that the devil uses. So you know the commandments. You know all of the things that God says you should not do. Obey your parents. Don't think evil of your neighbor. Love your enemy. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Lay down your lives for them as Christ did for the church. Keep the marriage bed undefiled and pure. Don't divorce your spouses. Don't cheat on your employer or or the government. Don't grumble or gossip. All of those things are bound up in God's law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the devil comes along, and he always asks the same question that he asked in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Did God really say that? Is that what his word actually means? And then he says, look, even if God did really say that, God doesn't actually punish people for sin. God doesn't actually punish people. We're all sinners, after all. Look at me. The devil says, I'm the worst of them. You can't help yourself. That's how it goes. What a lie. Of course God said it. It's clear as day in his word. His commandments are not complicated. They are clear and simple. They are not easy because we are tempted by the lies of the devil. So pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention because God threatens to punish those who break his commandments. And he does not want you to suffer his wrath. Pay attention. Because at the end of the day, we do not have any excuse when we stand before God. He says to you the truth. He speaks his word to you, gives you promises, and if at the end of the day you say, but I didn't know really if you said that or if you meant that, you'll find yourself in the same boat as Adam and Eve, having to hide. Having to hide for fear that you will be found out. Watch out for the lies of the devil. Now, the goal of all of these lies, the goal that the devil has in mind when he tempts you, is not merely to get you to sin. And this is so important for you to know as Christians. It's not merely to get you to sin. In the end, what the devil wants you to do is to lose your trust in God. So, he would love for you to heap up all kinds of sins 
He'd love for you to fall victim to all kinds of temptations so that he can one day bring them back in front of you and say, look, there's no way God could ever forgive all of that. Look, you didn't believe God before when he told you not to do these things. Why should you believe him now when he says that he has taken all of your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west? He wants you to lose your hope in God, to stop believing God's word so that you do not believe the gospel. But the gospel is stronger than that. So as you watch out for the lies of the devil, set your hearts on this truth, the truth that puts all other truths to shame, this truth that God loves you and that he wants to save you not only from sin and death and the devil, but wants to give you eternal life, perfect life, life free from temptation, a life free from sin and its consequences, a life free from sorrow and grief and dismay. He wants you to live and not to die. Never forget that. Never doubt that. The devil's lies cannot hold a candle to that truth. When the devil comes after you with whatever it might be, repeat that to him. Say, no, the Lord is on my side. He is my shepherd, and he has promised me. He gave his life for me. He gave up his body and blood for me. He has fed me with his own self. How can anything that you do to me hurt me? That's what you say to the devil. The same God who has forgiven all of your sins in Christ Jesus invites you to draw near to his throne to draw near to the throne of the king of the heavens and the earth, the king of the universe. He says, come to me, which is exactly what you've done this morning. Come to me so that you can find grace and mercy to help you in time of need. You don't trust God the way Jesus did. Thanks be to God that his faith is credited to you. His faith is credited to you. And so God offers to you that you can come to him and say, I need help. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, the devil is powerful, but you are more powerful still. Help me overcome temptation. Help me resist his wiles. Help me believe. This is what Christians want. Not to fall into sin, but to be kept from it. Lord, lead us not into temptation. And that, that is exactly what God wants to give to you. Believe that. Do not believe the devil. Watch out for him. Pay attention. This Lenten season and always. Pay attention. Listen intently to God's word. His word is truth, and it is your life and salvation. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.